welcome to yet another episode of what has been your favorite podcast, El Patio. And thank you for tuning in again this episode 7 of the second season. Can y'all believe? I cannot. But we're here and I just ate a lot of McDonald's. So I am trying to get through this whole episode um, with a dear guest here. And yeah, I don't know why I mentioned the McDonald's, but it's 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 been a minute, so it's hitting me right now. Um, but okay. I am wanna welcome my great guest, Chiku. Hello. Chiku. <laughs> Introduce yourself. Hello, uh, my name is Shiku Afeka. Um, I've known Ismaka since college. Um, just, I don't, I don't really know what to say. I'm just a gal living in New Jersey, working in New York, and, you know, enjoying life. <laughs> we love, we love what inspires you. What do you currently do? What do you do in your free time? Which I think we'll definitely get more into that throughout the episode. Definitely. Um, So I work in HR communications. Always been into communications. I love to talk. Um, (laughs) That's why you're here. Exactly. As a kid, my parents basically told me I could not shut up. Um, Did they tell you you were going to be a lawyer? They told me I was going to be a lawyer. My dad's like dream for me has always been to like be an entertainment host. Um, He's like, that would be like the ideal thing, which honestly, I just want to be like a pop culture expert or like, you you would be. Yeah. yeah, That's like my dream. (laughs) Um, Yeah. um, What inspires me? Um, Honestly, like everything. Like I just feel like um, I love media i love like being on my phone i love listening to podcasts i love you know um watching movies and tv so like getting to indulge in that and like you know feel all these great feelings that these artists you know give to us or these speakers give to us like i want to be able to give those same emotions to other people Mm. um and i think that that's something that has just like really led my life and a lot of the things i'm interested in um and have like wanted to get myself involved in Mm. um yeah love that and that's why obviously i brought you on and again we'll touch on a lot of that towards the episode and i think a lot of our interests i think brought us together mostly after college um and yeah this has become a ruckus podcast (laughs) (laughs) y'all but we love it that way um but before we get into all of that as per usual can you walk us through what your patio was growing up and what it is today? Yeah, I love this question. Um, I would say that I have always been somebody who has lived in multiple worlds. Um, you know, growing up Kenyan American, um, I've had a foot in you know the Kenyan culture and been surrounded by people within that, as well as you know being an American, especially a Black girl in the US like that has always been you know a big portion of my identity my parents have been great about making sure you know (laughs) my brother and I did not lose sight of that culture so that's Mm -hmm. been a lot of like you know the people I surround myself the life lessons that I've learned and like all the things that I've done um and then I would also I'm also somebody who is black and who grew up in an all-white town so you know having my foot in both doors of you know 
I'm clearly a black woman. So anybody who looks at me, that's the first thing that, you know, they see about me. But then a lot of the experience that I have are because of where I grew up and the people I grew up around. So I feel like I have both, you know, my feet in both worlds. Um, And I think that also has really led to a lot of the things that I, you know, have done so far and I'm interested in. Um, And, you know, today I still bring those experiences with me. I'm still a part of all of those things. But now I'm lucky to, you know, have like a really diverse group of friends. And, you know, I'm around different types of people. Um, And I would just say that, like, I get, I get like the, I'm, I'm lucky enough to have, you know, a patio, (laughs) (laughs) you know, just like different types of people and different things and different experiences. So I feel like I can't even fully define it, what it, what it is right now. Um, I feel like I'm just like a part of everything. You are a part of everything. (laughs) And I feel like that's the beauty of patios in general anything as we grow older which has been mentioned in this podcast before with other people who have come on is that it is people from their work it is people from interest like connecting with people who have the same interests as you whereas when you grow up sometimes you don't have that option exactly um i mean i went to catholic school am i still catholic no but (laughs) you still got that guilt though (laughs) yes (laughs) A lot of the times. Um, but with that being said, it's, you know, it's not a group I always identify with anymore. Yeah. So I think as adults, obviously, we have that agency of connecting with multiple people and who we want to connect with. Exactly. And, like, I think the that's been such a beautiful luxury, honestly. Mm-hmm. Like, looking back even on the people that we knew in college, right? And now being at an age where I can go, go back and, like kind of pick and choose like who the people are that I'm spending my time with and like seeing how some of these friendships have blossomed in the last few years Mm -hmm. it's been like really really great um which I'm sure was a bit difficult like when we were back in school because it was more out of convenience or more out of proximity than it really was out of you know the people that you wanted to spend your time and energy with a (laughs) hundred percent I mean we also went to a huge school so finding community was like you said more proximity and like joining things and then those would be your friends or people from your classes and it was a little bit harder i mean i do think we still found great people obviously who we're still connected with but now we're able to more pick and choose exactly exactly. um but that's i think a lot of adults and sideways into what i want a lot of this episode to be about i know in the past uh post-college while you were working your first job and in the last couple of years you've done some classes on screenwriting you like you mentioned you love shows you i know you used to love more musical theater back in the day you were a glee girl and like all of these things that you are actually very knowledgeable about thank you very much i think when i see you it's like I mean, even my boyfriend last night when I was telling him I was bringing you on, he was like, well, she sounds a lot like you. Because I was like, she knows a lot of random things. (laughs) And those are just my kind of people. I love it. Like, I like the random things. Exactly. Especially things that may not matter. Nothing makes sense. My interests don't. Like, you'll be like, oh my God, you would love this thing. And I'm like, absolutely not. I'm not interested at all. I just, all the most random stuff. (laughs) Yes. With that being said, before I go into a ranch, 
can you tell me you, about your interest in screenwriting and like you said maybe one day uh, manifesting being host of pop culture or a pop culture expert definitely um i mean it all started back in my elementary school days Mm -hmm. i used to love watching those like i love Mm -hmm. the 90s or i love the 80s shows on vh1 and i just loved learning all about like like I said, like pop culture and stuff that was happening like in society. Um, And I just fell in love with, you know, movies and TV. So from a young age, like I got involved in theater and got involved in acting classes. And I've always just had an interest in that stuff. Um, And it really came from once I hit a certain age, there really wasn't a lot of famous girls who looked like me, right? Like, I was lucky enough to grow up in a time where somebody like Raven was around, but then, like, once she, like, was off TV, it was kind of like, who's left? It was a weird gap. It was definitely a very weird gap. So I think that was something where I saw, like, how, you know, my younger cousins loved her, and I was like, wow, I'd love to be somebody like that. Um, And I think that was really what got me into an interest in acting um and then I took a few classes kind of here and there Mm. in college nothing too crazy and then I started working in the city and it turned into the grind of wake up go to work go home I'm exhausted go to sleep Mm. and so eventually I was like okay I can't do this and I also didn't want my hobbies to solely be revolving around drinking which we know is it's so easy to do that right it's so easy I think to do especially that post-graduation it's, you're still like you're still in that. you're in that mindset and it's like what can I afford to do what can I do all the time with my friends I know that I'm going to be free every weekend and so it was literally like I was doing nothing during the week but I was going out and drinking with my friends on the weekend and I was like this is not a life mm-hmm. that I should be leading so I started taking acting classes at the Barrow Group in Midtown. Um, I'd go like every Wednesday after work, go take my class and head home. It was a lot of fun. Um, And then during the pandemic, obviously stuff like that became very difficult to do. And I'd always been interested in screenwriting. Mm -hmm. I thought it was really cool to learn about movies, but I just like was really afraid to get into it. Um, And it was something that my mom had really encouraged me to do because, you know, similar to what I was just talking about before, I have so many experiences. I'm a part of so many cultures. So she was like, this perspective that you have is a very unique one. Um, And it's one that a lot of people would be able to relate to, um, even though you might not look exactly like them. Um, So yeah, so the pandemic and being at home led me to look into you know classes at the Mm -hmm. Barrow Group um, and they had a lot of really great options um, and it was perfect for for being home right like I'm writing because I'm not going out anymore and then I'm taking classes I'm going on zoom and we're reading scripts um, and it was really really cool so there was like three classes that I kind of took back to back for like a full year I like stopped going out on Saturdays because I had to make sure my screenplay was like in the next right. Sunday um, but yeah it just like turned into you know going from writing these short little things to like eventually working on a full-length feature screenplay which um, like I finished my first draft last year which was really cool so and what was that about if you um, can tell us yeah of course so it really was about it was kind of like a teen comedy that was like very influenced by my experience like mm-hmm. being first generation American and you know having parents who even though they grew up here at like or have been here since their 20s 
they don't always get everything, right? Right. And there's <laughs> still going to be that little bit of a culture gap no matter what, like, how cool your parents are. Yeah. And my parents are pretty cool. Um, so, like, kind of, you know, dealing with that gap and then also dealing with having friends who looked a lot different than me and um, how that impacted not only my social life but also my love life. And then also how that really related to my identity and how I saw myself. Um, so, yeah, it kind of, like, wrote about a character very similar to me which actually is a very difficult you would be shocked like my really? my professor was like I always warn people like not to write play like write write movies don't about do them themselves. Yeah, cause, <laughs> you know, because because then because then you know we watch her shows and we're like what character would do this but it's like you're writing it as if what you would do but it doesn't necessarily make sense for the character so that's a little, tid- <laughs> that's a little tidbit <laughs> um but yeah I really wanted to again like just give somebody who looked like me or somebody who felt like me like to kind of tell them like hey like these experiences aren't so rare and honestly like a big help with that was tiktok um watching a lot of videos and seeing people who had so many experiences similar to me whether they like were black girls whether they were my age it didn't matter where they were from Mm -hmm. like just seeing how similar people were yeah um i just realized like you could close the gap a lot a lot lot easier than I'm sure a lot of people realized um so yeah it was a big inspiration love that love that and I'm sure one day that story will make it listen from your lips to God's ears (laughs) (laughs) manifesting it right now we need more Kenyan American stories outside of Obama which is a big one it it definitely is (laughs) and listen I'm not complaining, but, but unfortunately, but we I, need more than that. We exactly, need more. Exactly. We need more. We can't stop at Obama. No, we can't. Uh, <laughs> well, with that being said, and everything that you're saying, which is beautiful, I know we spoke a little bit about this in the past, and how screenwriting, storytelling, from a representation and diversity perspective. Mm-hmm has shifted a lot for many different reasons because of social media nowadays. We talked about marketing Mm -hmm. being a huge influence nowadays for a lot of these new shows, especially mostly on streaming platforms. So can you walk us through what you see that's mostly different from, you know, maybe some shows in the 90s versus some shows now and with some examples for sure um i think that we have seen a major shift in um representation in media as well as where you see diversity um i think we were talking about how like in the 80s and 90s it was not rare to see a crap ton of you know black shows white shows maybe we were really the only ones represented but you know like those those it, it wasn't rare to see you know shows from the from the cosby's to the jefferson's all the way to like mm-hmm. your fresh princes and your moesha's or whatever yep. like those were huge and then you kind of just didn't see that for a good like 10 15 years and then now that they're popping back up again i think they look completely different right Mm. like now and those shows obviously touched on race they touched on um you know being a black person in america but i would think i think that a lot of these shows today touch on that like heavily 
right? right? And like the focus on those shows, a lot of it is on race or class or culture. Um, and not necessarily like just a fun escape that they used to be and like not just like you know let's just watch this show for 30 minutes and have a blast um and i will like there definitely are more diverse shows that like kind of hit all of those themes but i i just feel like it's not i don't know like it's like not it's just not the same thing and i i, mm-hmm. I don't know exactly what it is that caused that change like i don't know if it's just that race is more of a topic in like our on our minds nowadays i don't know if it's with social media so writers are able to see what people are saying and adopt that so you're having much older writers reading what teens and people in their 20s are saying and just kind of sealing that lingo and like not really using it the right way like i i don't know what caused that shift but it's definitely present right i think like what i'm thinking about that maybe my brain is going there is that there was this this idea in the 80s and the 90s post like a segregation segregated america i would say where like maybe what one what a lot of maybe black writers and white writers wanted to do with a lot of this primarily african-american shows was to showcase like a happy, maybe wealthy, middle class black family and not touch on race because they're like, well, we're past that. So what I'm thinking now is that maybe it was the post-racial America ideal of like, let's just portray these families just in, you know, in a happy way, which is good, obviously. It portrays a great image and like moving away from the bad stereotypes that a lot of people had to endure. Mm -hmm. And maybe now, because people are, like you said, are more open, I can see maybe shows like Insecure where, like, you know, they're just showing literally everything. For sure. Every aspect of what it means to be a black 20-something woman in L.A. Yeah. Right? Like, the funny, like you said, the bad. Like, the nuances. And I think maybe some directors and writers are able to be like, okay, we need to make this character not be as straightforward or just one way. And, like, they're more multidimensional, which people are. Definitely. But, I mean, that's what I'm thinking more with Insecure. But, like, you were saying with social media and marketing and certain shows being more (laughs) forced (laughs) when it comes to the diversity. Just diving into that. Um... Which are some shows that you think have forced diversity and it has like distorted the story in a way? That's interesting. I mean, I think that I wouldn't necessarily say this, but I know it was definitely a big thing when it came out, uh, the Gossip Girl reboot. People really felt like, (laughs) why are we forcing, you know, black people into this show and this, this, that. Um, But I felt like once you watch the show, like you could kind of, it kind of made sense that it was more diverse. Mm -hmm. Um, But I also understand the people who love that show kind of being like, wait, what is this? Like I miss, you know, my old characters. Um, I think that we see, trying to think of like some of the more popular shows that are out right now that feel like it's not. Well, I think the new Charmed. Well, a lot of these are like reboots. Definitely reboots. reboots. I definitely would say with the new Charmed, I think, um, when that, I don't, I never ended up watching it, but there was a new show on HBO that only lasted like a season called like generation where it was like definitely trying to like 
hit the same success as like euphoria um so it was just like a bunch of like young like kids that were most of them i think were all, like in the lgbt lgbtqui i'm just messing up the <laughs> acronym right now i just got really nervous <laughs> but basically <laughs> there were a lot of it's okay we know you're an ally i'm an ally i swear <laughs> but basically <laughs> a lot of kids who fell within the lgbt community um were on this show and represented and i know a lot of people were just kind of like why are you throwing all this stuff at us? Like, I'm not really sure where all this is coming. So it felt, I think, f- to some people, like, they were just trying to throw anything at the wall that stuck. Right. And wanted to make sure that they had people of different colors in, in it, no matter what, whether or not Let's it made hit sense. the rainbow. Well, and then, and you know what? <laughs> actually, again, not a big fan of, but I think you watch it. Sex in the City, the reboot. I, I actually just saw a tweet. It was ass. <laughs> I just saw a tweet yesterday that was like, oh, I love that all the women on, on Sex... <laughs> on sex in the city now have their own um woman of color like um bff and it was just like how like they all, oh emotional they support what woman of color is what they call them i mean straight up <laughs> and, and and you know what it, it's interesting because it's like i know of course that is a major um criticism that that show has had you know in the entire time that it was on and afterwards mm-hmm. um so i understand wanting to now explore and add you know more people of color into their world but then i think it sometimes turns into well you know like in the first movie you know you add jennifer hudson but she's working for sarah jessica parker or you add you know a lot of you, you people sw- mention that you know and like <laughs> so you're adding these pe- you're adding people to it but it doesn't feel authentic and then that's gonna cause you know, already you're gonna have the people who immediately are like, "Well, I'm not watching this if there's, if it's diverse." You know, go go woke, go broke, like whatever that is. There's that. There's that. And you're always gonna have those people. But then on top of that, you get the totally understandable criticism of like, "Okay, great that you're having representation. Great that you're making sure that these people are on the show." But like, they don't really like. This doesn't make any sense. That kind of reminds me of, and this just like. It's my brain also going into my little vault of memories of different shows. For sure. But one person or one character that I remember vividly is when Childish Gambino went to girls and people were upset because he was the only black character to go ever and he was a Republican. Which, I mean, obviously there are black Republicans and that is a thing. Obviously being black is not a monolith. But I think people were annoyed at the fact that they, okay, brought in a black character and then they just had to go like completely on the opposite of the spectrum of what people would have expected, I guess. Exactly. And I think that also comes from Lena Dunham half. Like she's just very much like, I find her to be like a contrarian. So it's like, okay, I'll do it, but I'm just going to like do it in like the most ridiculous way possible. And so it's like, that's just somebody personally I wouldn't trust with a black character. So it's like, good good thing you had him on there for like however many episodes then he was gone. I'm I'm okay with that. Yeah, it was a couple episodes, but not too many. But like that, I'm okay with like never having black people on the show like right and it's also similar to like you know people now talking about like white lotus right and people will be like why are there no black characters on the show and i frequently see people on twitter be like no we don't want to be represented on the show like please like <laughs> no, no like we're good like these are we're like not trying to be like, killed please like good, we're good like keep us out of this so like 
<laughs> so like I think it's interesting when you see like black people being like no we don't want that representation also I think like and we've mentioned this even like with Lena Donham is like do we actually want her to be the anchor exactly. of diversity like no like she's writing on her lens and I think we also spoke about this there are people who have been re-watching the show um, and feeling different ways of when they first watched it. I personally loved it because in my head it was like a mindless sort of show. Yeah. And the only relatable parts is like being broke in New York. But then the parts <laughs> that like people are like, okay, no, not everyone or most people who move here can relate to the fact that your parents are still paying your bills until you're like 30. Exactly. But outside of that, I wasn't like going to watch girls for representation exactly and i think that's it's like a it's a hard like thing to figure out like where to sit on it because i think that there are we should have representation and it's not just black people like we should be able to watch a show or we should be able to feel like we have some part of us represented in media no matter who we are what we look like what we deal with what you know like we should feel that but then at the same time taking a step back and just being like well, do I really want to be a part of this? You know, like <laughs> it's, it's like when you watch like a dating show, right? I watch a dating show and I'm excited to see the perspective of a black woman. And I've gotten to the point where I'm like, I don't want black women on these shows anymore because the way that they're treated and the way that they're seen is just so terrible it's so gross. that it's yeah. like, why are you shouldn't have to put yourself through that for me to feel like I want to watch this show, right? And so at some point, it's like you have to just say, like, I refuse to, like, engage in this because I don't want (laughs) any part of it. And Mm -hmm. I think sometimes for me, it's like there are certain shows that it's like, like, like people are saying about White Lotus, I'd actually just rather we aren't a part of it in any way, shape, or form. So why do you think that way for White Lotus specifically? I think for White Lotus specifically, they were just saying that, like, it is depicting some of the, They like, meaning Twitter Twitter, people. Twitter, Twitter people. Not not me, but Twitter people. No, I'm just <laughs> No, I get it. <laughs> I think they were just saying that, like, these are snapshots of, like, some really horrible people. And, mm. you know, like, people who specifically are wealthy, you know, from generational wealth, from, like, uh, like hoarding wealth, like, all this stuff they're they are the ones who are represented and like they're not good people and they're not in good positions we're literally watching people like cheat on their spouses we're watching people get murdered like we're watching like horrible things happen and doesn't necessarily make sense for you know a random black person to just like show up there maybe if it's like an athlete or maybe if it's like whatever like we have to be realistic about um like Yes, there are a lot of black people who do have generational wealth, which is amazing, and I'm very jealous of them. <laughs> but like, of co- but that percentage is going to be so much lower than white people. So it's like if you have however many seasons of the show and you have this percentage of white people, you might only have, you know, two or three characters in the entire existence of the show who are going to be people of color. Because just looking at the type of people who will go to these hotels, exactly. quote unquote. Exactly. But then I, I know in the first season, I didn't really watch, I watched only a few episodes, so forgive me. Um, I know that there is a biracial girl 
Um, yeah. Like the one who's friends friends with Sydney Sweeney or whatever. And I think that, that, that race does play a role in the way she is treated on the show. So Heavily. I, so I think like there is still a real life representation of what it would look like. And it, we have to be, if, and if this show is going to be, you know, real life representation, we're probably going to watch black people go there and deal with racism, right? Like we were talking about before, you know, wanting to escape watching shows about trauma, you know, media, you know, depicting, yep. you know, these hard things. And it's like, if a black person is going on these trips, they're not always getting like the joy of going to a place. They're facing yep. discrimination or facing racism or facing, you know, horrible things. And it's like, do I really want to watch that? Yeah, that is true. So with that being said, which I mean, all great points, and I agree with you. What would be maybe the ideal way of bringing on some more people of color into a lot of these shows both dating shows so like reality tv which honestly is probably the worst one (laughs) but up to like someone who's like fictional because i think the main people too that i'm thinking about that got a lot of heat even for me like i think when there are that one person of color and they're the first we know it's also, one, a huge responsibility. For sure. Two, if they talk about race, they are judged even if it's good or bad. Yeah. Like, no, it doesn't matter what they're saying. They are going to be criticized. Exactly. And I'm thinking Matt James from The Bachelor, mm-hmm. Rachel Lindsay from The Bachelor, the first yeah. black bachelorette. They're all still even receiving heat. For sure. For either, quote, unquote, handling their season well or, quote, unquote, not handling well, which... Definitely do whatever you will with that information. (laughs) Um, But yeah, like I think when you're the first off insert ethnic group in a show, there's also all this responsibility, which sometimes these folks are grateful for. But then there's the other side of the coin of like, the expectations are incredibly too high. For sure. Um, I mean, we've seen a lot of that. We've seen a lot of backlash towards the first black person on any of these shows. Right now, we're seeing it with Garcelle on Real Housewives at Beverly Hills. She's the first black person? She's the first black woman on the Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. And I think now is on her third or fourth season. And consistently is berated by these women but it's like consistent microaggressions mm. they this woman is level-headed like will just she stands up for herself and i appreciate that but she will always talk in this type of tone she's never really attacking people whatever they those women will call her a bully they'll say she's aggressive they'll say this that and that then there was a whole situation where her 14 year old son was just like walking near another mm. woman on the show and the woman's like get the fuck out of here like cursing at her son ew and like i think that sometimes people don't like they're like well that's horrible yeah it sucks but like they don't really see like on the other level of like you're attacking a young black boy who just happened to be in the area and like or yes plenty of women on these shows are called bullies but when you call a black woman a bully there are layers to it there's like a big uh, like, you know, it goes into, like, the, the angry black woman, all this stuff. And it's all the narratives. Exactly. So we've seen it with that. We've seen it with 
Ebony K. Williams, who was the first Real Housewife of New- Black Real Housewife of New York, who to this day is blamed for ruining house because like they you know how they canceled it, um, and they're coming oh, yeah, they're back with the, like, the legacy yeah. and also like the new ones, and people are like the reason the show is done is because of Ebony and it's her fault. Meanwhile, like there are reports and rumors that like women on that cast were saying the N word, and we've seen what? women on that show do blackface, and we've seen horrible things come from these women. But Ebony, she's, is she's the one, a reason. She's the reason the show is ruined because she rightfully spoke about her experience being a black woman around these women, right? Um, and just to qu- to ask a question about that, since I don't really watch this show, sure. I mean, I do know like that there's a new one that's coming out. Yeah. They're supposed to make it more diverse, not only like ethnicity wise but also that most of them have a job now (laughs) (laughs) um which i mean nothing wrong with not having a job and having a rich husband but do they force like the friendships or do they actually like know each other in person it is a mixture on all these shows um some of them are like like new jersey is like a lot of family right so it's like people who literally like you know sister-in-laws or literal sisters then there's mm-hmm. p- other ones where it's like there are photos of these women together from childhood or you know so you there there are mixtures and then they're, they'll just be like oh yeah my friend and it's like they met three times <laughs> so sometimes it, you can see that it's inorganic mm-hmm. and i do think that plays into the actual dynamics that we end up seeing on the shows wait so do you think ebony was a part of that group or you think they added her to be like the token so i from my understanding that show i ended up being like the oldest on average like mm-hmm. it got to a season where it was like on average they were like all in their 50s mm-hmm. so then they brought in a younger woman this girl leah who's like in her 30s and then they brought in ebony who was i, I think they might have said was leah's friend who also was supposed to be younger and black and it basically what and i would have to like double check the timing right but like in 2020 bravo went back and like looked i guess through all of their shows and saw a lot of racism right like it resulted really we're being called out so let's do something (laughs) it finally resulted in the firing of like three people on vanderpump rules it resulted in other people getting in trouble for a lot of the stuff they had done when in reality it's like i said seen blackface we've seen white women called black women ghetto bitches we've seen horrible horrible things that was on atlanta that show is wild um (laughs) we've seen a lot of like these really really terrible things happen on these shows and there was absolutely no consequences and no one ever had to speak to what they had done and then in 2020 when you know we really saw the you know political unrest and saw people really finally like questioning like what the hell are we doing then you saw they started looking into these things Mm -hmm. and then that's now when they started to try to integrate a lot of these shows that were like fully just white and fully just black especially in new york which is literally the most diverse city in the country but somehow the only people on the show were you know white women in their 50s right like there's way more exactly people can be included but i think i think they finally recognized like this was not the right way to do it because I think the problem that we see in these shows and the problem that we see in shows like Big Brother and shows like like The Bachelor or like Love Island is like, sure, you can throw a black person in there. Great. 
but it doesn't mean anything if you are throwing them to the wolves. Which is usually what happens. Exactly. So I understand what they were saying. Like, well, why do we, why have we never had a black person on the show and it's New York? But you have to recognize these are women in their 50s who grew up in certain areas who have not ever had to socially interact with black people, right? These are women who are friends with the Trumps. These are women who are friends with, Let them know. you know, <laughs> like who are part of the Kennedy family, part of all these things. It's like, are they actually? One of the, one of the women was like the- The Trumps sis- I see, cause they lived she, here. But. She was the sister-in-law to JFK Jr.'s wife, like Car- Carolyn Bissett or whatever. Okay. I, no, I just got her name wrong. I cannot think of what her name is right now. But one Car- of them. Yes, Carolyn was, yeah, whatever. I, well, one of the there. Kennedys. One of the Kennedys, <laughs> basically. Um, so yes, there were there was connection to all these like old money families, right? And so it, ca- it goes back to the girls thing. Mm-hmm. People would be like, well, you obviously have black friends. And it's like, some people really just don't. They don't. And so when you, you're throwing, you threw that girl to the wolves and then we're shocked at the way that these women reacted to her, right? Mm-hmm. And we're shocked that these women had a horrible um, like dis- disposition towards her. So yes, now mm-hmm. it makes sense to pull back, get a whole new cast of younger women who actually interact with people who look differently than them. That makes sense as a show, rather than me just throwing this person in because they are a person of color, because mm-hmm. it works on other shows. How, why does it work on Dubai? Why does it work on Miami? Because these are women who actually interact with women who don't look like them. Is Miami diverse? Yeah. For the Real Housewives? Uh, Real Housewives in Miami has... Is that new? I think someone said it was... It was back... It was on, like, in the early 2000s. They canceled it, brought it back on Peacock, and it's, like, one of the biggest ones right now. But that one has black women like you know they have a woman from haiti on the on the main which is cast. miami yeah. exactly they have you know larsa pippen who i believe is persian they have you know brazilians they have cubans they have you know people throughout like the latin america or latin you know diaspora as well as people who would actually be in miami and you can see that they're actually are that makes sense and it makes sense and you would i just think like representation is important but it needs to make sense in my eyes love that that's a great that's a great way to end that part because i was gonna say i'm like i think yeah we can't just add people randomly and expect them to be the token and take all this responsibility they're also like not even prepped for what they're going into you you are literally throwing somebody at the wolves and it's not just the people that they're interacting with on the cast it is the people who watch those shows it's the internet and that's what happens with these black people that go on the bachelor that show is not popular in new york you know where it's popular in middle america right yeah so you so yes maybe you are gonna find a cast who is attracted to matt james and who wants to be with matt james but it shouldn't be shocking to any of us that the type of girl who ended up on that show is somebody who went to a plantation party, right? Right. That shouldn't be shocking to us because that is who is watching and participating in these types of things. And like, that's, I think that we're all, we're going to continue to see those issues on any of these shows, especially like Mm -hmm. I was saying with Love Island. Okay, great. You're casting black women. 
But you're not casting people who like black women. Yes. Okay, let's talk about that. Do you watch The Perfect Match? I, okay, so I watch a few episodes, but again, I cannot watch shows like that okay. because it hurts my heart. Which you shouldn't. You should not it, watch it. But like, even the comments, and I mean, I did think the internet came through for that one. Yeah. Because people <laughs> actually that. weren't being like bullies or saying this doesn't make sense. I think people really understood that like most of the women who like obviously did not even make it towards the end were all black women. Yep. And then also like you were mentioning, like some of the men that go in there don't want black exactly. women. Exactly. And it's just kind of like what like same to your point, why would you put them through all of this when we know that those men, even even if the ethnic ones mm-hmm. Will not, or like the biracial ones. I'm thinking of the Bartizas of the world. For sure. Ill. Um, <laughs> the Bartizas of the show, uh, the guy Chase. Yep. Like all of them are biracial. Yep. But they do not like black women. So I think it comes down to two things. First off, these networks are literally just crossing off their list. I casted a black girl, I casted a black guy, I casted four white girls, because, you know, they see brunettes and blondes as like different ethnicities basically i casted two blondes two brunettes and a redhead don't forget the redhead and you know maybe once in a while i'll cast an asian person which you know we can't it's a lot to even get into the way that they're represented within media you know they fetishize them (laughs) it's terrible which is the conclusion absolutely terrible so i think that's the first issue right they just think Mm -hmm. getting somebody who looks like that on screen is a lot the The spicy latina who's gonna fight everyone plus (laughs) (laughs) but i think the second issue is a lot of people don't see any issue with it right they growing up as a black girl especially in white spaces white people just believe that i should be grateful if they think i'm attractive same for the people in the back and i shouldn't be expected to be picked Mm -hmm. and it's something i've seen in numerous like friendships relationships whatever i should just be happy that i'm there so when these producers are casting these guys First off, they're assuming, oh, the black people just go with black people. <laughs> right. Without thinking about the fact and that And they want to pair them, too. Why, it's not lost on me that every time they do a Love Island matchup the first episode, the black people end up together no matter what, right? Even the castmates in Perfect Match, and I know you said you didn't watch it, but just to give you a little bit of context sure. on that... Like some, like sometimes they would go on challenges, and then whoever, whichever couple won the challenge, they would pick another couple to go on a date or yeah. whatever it was either strategy wise so they could get kicked out because they know they wouldn't work or yeah. whatever it was like i swear to god a lot of the people who let's say won the challenges who happen to be white or let's say a white person and an asian person or whatever they always would be like oh these two would look cute together when they pair people up in the matching boards and if you are someone like myself who watched that a lot of these people on their original shows may it be Love Island, um, Too Hot to Handle, whatever show they came from, uh, Selling Tampa, whatever. Yeah. You would see the two people and right away you're, as the person was watching, you're like, oh no. No, but... (laughs) They would not get along. And they're like, oh, they look cute together. And I'm like, there's something wrong in here. But it's just the assumption that if 
you're black, you're going to date this black person. If you're Asian, you're going to date this Asian. Like, they, it just in people's heads that, like, they just should be paired together. Mm-hmm. And then I think, so I think that's always just, like, the first issue. Um, and I think that on top of that, it is, like, what I said, like, this belief that, like, if a white girl came in or whoever came in, that honestly, if a non-black woman came in, right? Correct. Like, that's really what it comes down to. Yep. Even if I seemed like I was in a secure relationship, she could come in and take my man right and like she could come into this show not necessarily in real life but she can come into the show and she automatically gets this person i mean i saw the first episode of perfect match what is it about francesca that everybody is so obsessed with that she was able to take multiple people's men right it's just this assumption just this assumption that that is what is going to happen so i'm not even thought of i'm an afterthought and you know people who look like me are an afterthought and so mind you they carried themselves like all the black women who went to perfect match were probably the best behaved and i don't want to say behaved like in a you know condescending way but i get what you mean but they were like the most educated Mm -hmm. the most again well behaved and not like insulting people like Francesca was the villain. And, you know, I'm, I'm like, 50-50 about the way I feel about her in general. Definitely. Because she's getting her ma- her money in general. <laughs> she straight up went on there and after on TikTok said, I want to promote my, my bathing soon shit. <laughs> like, my beautiful yeah. relationship that I've been in for a year but somehow filmed a show. <laughs> straight up. So, in that sense, I respect her getting her bag. Yeah. But they, a lot of them were, like, the villains in their shows. Yep. and. Two, like, again, we're acting so gross throughout the whole thing and yeah. taking it as a joke. Definitely. Whereas a lot of the black women and then even some of the Asian girls and, you know, biracial girls who went on the show were trying their best to be the best representation that they could. And th- and that's what it always, that's what it always comes back down to, right? If I go, if I went outside right now and acted a fool... Or, you know, back in our sorority days, right? If I went and I acted absolutely crazy, I am now a representation of black people. Yep, they're going to be like, oh, that's how they are. But, you know, this other person, whatever, you know, other race she was, could do whatever she wanted. That is true. And it's just a representation of herself, right? And, like, that is such an unfair burden that we put on people. And it is something that naturally happens with people of Mm -hmm. color and you know obviously i can only speak to black people but definitely naturally Mm -hmm. happens with black people and Mm -hmm. so it's like why is it that you know if those girls were acting crazy it would be like oh right when everyone else was acting crazy yeah or like going back to real housewives people who are like i can't watch atlanta or potomac which are the only two black franchises because all they do is fight as if, you know, people on OC aren't throwing drinks in each other's faces. or Aren't the Jersey, New Jersey wild flipping too? tables or whatever. <laughs> like, you know, the Jersey literally was put on the map because Teresa Judice flipped a table. But no. And their husbands are in jail. Literally. But no, the issue is the black women, none of them are in jail. None of them are doing anything crazy. And they're just going back and forth like anybody else. They're is. having a discussion. But, but they're violent right and they're the ones who are crazy um and i think even like i did see some clips on tiktok of perfect match where Mm -hmm. you know even i i cannot it was her name colony colony who was she's amazing who was being stereotyped by a black man who's he's on uh, yes you're so strong you're so so cringe and it's like she can't just be a woman 
Like, he was, like, overcompensating yeah, in the moment. Just, and like, we were all like, you don't have to say this, boo. It's just, like, I don't know. I just, in my eyes, you know, would just prefer sometimes that people just don't even do these shows. I can see it's that. like, for what? At the end of the day, you're ending up with a broken heart and, you know, you still aren't going to get as many followers as the white women on the show. You still aren't going to get as many opportunities True. as the other white women on this show. So it's like, really, really, what is the benefit? A hundred percent. Because a lot of them actually did not get Ra- all the fame. Rachel Lindsay has these amazing opportunities, but still has fewer followers than a lot of Bachelor contestants. So not even people who end up becoming the Bachelorette. Right. She's right. A, I think she's the least follow, followed Bachelorette. Mm-hmm. But on top of that other girls who just were on the show for a few episodes have more followers. But also because she speaks her mind, people are like, oh, I don't know how I feel about her. But but how is she, but is she any more outspoken than somebody like Demi? Oh, she's very outspoken. You know, or is she any more outspoken than and some Caitlin, of these other... And Caitlyn, Bristow. Exactly. So there are plenty mm-hmm. of women with podcasts, with known online presences, who say what are on their... I mean, listen, I'm not even dissing them because... Right, they're, right. They're, they're, they're great women who have platforms for a reason, right? Right. But what has Rachel done that is any crazier than anybody else? Because, oh, all she does is talk about race. But you know what it is? When something racist happens in the Bachelor universe, who do they call first? They call her first. Right? So isn't the issue really that we're not asking her about how her and Brian are doing, but we're asking her what she has to say about Chris Harrison? Facts were spoken. Or what what she has to say about Matt James? Because I don't think they asked Hannah Brown what she thought about Matt James, even though they were friends. (laughs) That is true. Hannah Brown said the N-word, and she still has however many opportunities. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's just like... Wait, on the show or after? After the show. Girl, Homegirl posted, like, a TikTok, or she was on live. No, she posted a TikTok where she said the N-word in it. People were like, huh? <laughs> and Rachel actually reached out to her and offered to help, and, you know, offered to talk to her, and she ignored Rachel. And then people were like, ah, Rachel just can't help but get her nose in everybody's business. And it's like... Like, girl, I'm trying to help you. She's coming bachelorette to bachelorette. If, if if I did something like that, she's the one I'd want to talk to. But then it turns into all she ever does is to bring up race. And, and really what it is is, like, I think what all of this conversation comes back to. If you are not a person of color, you have the luxury of never having to think about race. Yeah. Right? You can ignore those conversations till the end of the day even if you're the one saying the n-word exactly but guess what my somebody said this once and it and it took me a while to really understand what it meant but it really has stuck with me since my existence is political right i walk into a room and just because of what i look like i elicit a reaction a lot of my friends can walk into a room and it does not in any way shape or form even you know cross somebody's mind Correct. but just because of the fact that i'm a black person somebody in there has a reaction to me mm-hmm. and i don't get the luxury of not being able to discuss race and i don't get the luxury of not like being able to uh, to like ignore any of that stuff right Right, and no matter so if i were to be given an opportunity immediately the conversation is oh she got that because of what she looks like or oh she got that because 
they need to be diverse. That's the first thought rather than she got it because she deserved it. Right, right. And so now when shows are coming out and there's, you know, a black lead or, you know, a black person wrote it, the first thing people are saying, oh, they just need more black shows. Maybe the show was good. Like, damn. Right? Like, maybe it was good. And so I think it kind of goes back to what we were talking about earlier. Like, what shifted? And I think the fact that these conversations just have popped back up, which I think also is because of social media. Like, now it has turned into, if I'm on a show or if I Mm -hmm. write a show, I'm expected to, like, talk about these things even if it has nothing to do if with it is not related well it's 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 like um abbott elementary right great show super popular right now right um and love it quinta brunson has recently talked about how she will get dms from people saying you know the show is really great the show's a sitcom you should have a school shooting episode as your last episode i really think that with your platform you'll be able to get a lot of people's eyes on it and we'll get reform blah blah blah. they want to show a primarily black and brown little kids kids that are happy and like living life and enjoying school they want them to go through this traumatic experience for what because you think it might result in a conversation that we know doesn't exist when it happens to real kids Oh my god, people are losing it. So, I think when you are a black writer, when you're a writer of color, it seems like you cannot escape. Right, taking responsibility, quote unquote. Exactly. She just wants to show about kids. It's straight up. It's literally the office in a school. Did we did we ask Parks and Recreation? Did, did, yeah. Have we expected any of those shows to tackle any of those topics or diversity and inclusion in the office (laughs) have we like they're able to joke about that they're able to have funny episodes about diversity in the office but she's expected to tackle these sorts of things when it's just like a fun show i can understand having that conversation with kenya barris who wrote blackish that is a show that discusses issues and is literally like we're going to discuss real issues in a humorous way that that's something like point. that makes sense because mm-hmm. it makes sense like it's the point of the show mm-hmm. but why are we pushing it on people who are just having fun right with this right? right so a lot of the conclusion here is that it's depending on the story that we're trying to tell the vibe of the show and that poc writers should be able to have the freedom to express themselves just like any other writer Um, out there that has won a Grammy or whatever it is, which has been predominantly white men. Um, But as we're coming to the end here, and I've enjoyed this discussion so much because we both love TV. (laughs) We love dissecting these topics. Um, But just to close it with a bow... what do you want to leave our listeners with? And obviously you've dropped literally so much wisdom we don't deserve it (laughs) but what are the last couple of things you want to leave our listeners with and where can they find you if you want to be found (laughs) yeah that's the question (laughs) (laughs) um you know what i think that people should just enjoy the media that is out there i do think that it is important to ask for representation and to want to see people who look like you Mm -hmm. on tv but like 
don't force it. There's no reason to like make it, you know, um, super political or super, you know, divisive. Mm -hmm. If it's just like a fun show or a fun experience. But I think also to be mindful of, you know, the people who are writing these things or the people who are sourcing this or even the people who are participating in them. And like not to expect that every person who doesn't look like you is forced to explain their existence to you. And, you know, and don't put that burden on them. And it's not fair. And it's not fair to writers of color to now have to, you know, take on this extra work just because you don't know people who look like them in real life. Oh, facts. Um, But yeah, I mean, this has been really, really fun. Um... (laughs) And I think just like enjoy the stuff that you like already are watching, but definitely try to get out of your comfort zone and check some things out that you never would have watched before. Watch things with people who don't look like you and like learn more about different cultures because there really is some fun stuff out there and it's really great to indulge in it. Um, You can find me on uh, Twitter um, (laughs) and my handle is my full name, which is Shiku Atheka. I will spell it for you. It is uh, C-I-K-U-W-A-T-H-I-K-A. And, you know, I'm usually on there talking about reality TV or the stuff I'm paying attention to and dropping some gems. <laughs> love it! We love the knowledge. We love the fun. Thank you for coming, Shiku. You've been amazing. And everyone, stay tuned. Live the reviews. Share with your grandmas, grandpa parents in general, friends, neighbors, and everyone. And I'll see you in a couple of days. Bye.